the Bitcoin price doing something interesting right now. Also, some really big Bitcoin news. I feel like the last few days is one of those days where we just have this raft of Bitcoin news coming at us. A lot of it's really big and interesting. So I want to dive into that with you. Also, some interesting Ethereum news, well, Ethereum futures news. We're going to be discussing that as well. I also want to dive in in this episode about the topic of why most people don't make any money in crypto. Because I feel like a lot of investors can't consistently bring in money in this market. And the reasons are pretty clear, in my opinion. So I want to discuss that with you a bit as well. And hey, if we get some time, we're going to dive into some superconductor madness as well. We'll see how we go with this conversation. But welcome to the conversation today. Super excited to see you here, of course, as always. So let's go ahead and dive into this topic. Bitcoin. Big Bitcoin news right now from big banks, microstrategy, big buyers, big things just generally happening in the Bitcoin space, particularly. Also, the Bitcoin charts are showing us some pretty interesting things going on right now, both short term and long term in terms of, well, overall volatility and what it can mean for the market moving forward. So let's go ahead and dive in here and get into it. Now, I want to share with you first. Uh, my commentary on the Bitcoin US dollar chart. This is the one day chart. I've got the $50, uh, 50 day EMA put on here. So that is the yellow line on the chart here. We can see that Bitcoin was basically consolidating right under the 50 day EMA ever since the 24th of July when we had a bit of a price correction down to 28,900. The price just went sideways basically until, well, Today, we had a big sell-off. The price got down to $28,500, after which we had a nice rally pull-in, bringing the price back above the 50-day EMA. So this could be looked at as a test of the 50-day EMA, assuming, of course, we can continue the momentum here and keep the price up over that 50-day EMA. The daily candle closed basically right at a key level of price support for Bitcoin. So the price support from the 21st of June through until the 24th of July basically came in right around $29,700. So that's where the price got to today for Bitcoin. Uh, the new daily candle opening up above that line. We'll see how we go in the next few days. But... Interesting price action, nevertheless. We'll see how that continues, of course, as we move forward. But that is has the potential to have been just a nice big fat retest of the 50-day EMA. We'll see how we go, though, with that. Daily charts can give you sometimes a bit more noise than they're good for. Although I don't love looking at my daily charts, obviously. It's a very important metric for those closely following the price of Bitcoin. But those monthly charts, looking at the big picture here, now that's where things start getting pretty gosh darn interesting because realistically, we are in a very fascinating place right now in this overall chart. Remember, we have a bullish cross right now on the MACD. So that's July, gave us the bullish crossover. August, hopefully, of course, we see a continuation for that. But that MACD bull cross gives me a bit of hope in the markets here. But this is the monthly chart, and it's showing me something interesting. Now, on this chart, I've got it color-coded. I'll explain it to those of you who are just listening in. 
basically we have Bitcoin going through cycles. So, of course, we have our bullish phase of the cycle, our bearish phase of the cycle, and our accumulation phase of the cycle. Now, from the Bitcoin halving in May 2020 up until really the end of 2021 was our big bullish phase. Now, some might argue the cycle actually ended in April 21, and the second rally up to 69K was a bit of an aberration. So we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, but whether you want to take it from one place or the other, that's kind of where we are uh, with that rally part. Wherever you want to measure it from, the reality is, is that the bear market came afterwards. Brutal, savage bear market. Basically from November of 2021 down to November, December of 2022. December 2022 really being the, the bear market bottom. Ever since December 2022, we've seen the price rally getting back ab above the 50-month exponential moving average back above many actually uh, key indicators. A lot of on-chain data showing us the market's turning around. A lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, technical indicators showing us that the market's turning around, not just the MACD, but lots of other things as well. Basically making me think that we are in our accumulation period that comes before the Bitcoin halving. So Basically, we are now in a stage where between now and April next year, it's an accumulation phase. Don't expect new all-time highs or anything like that before then. It's an accumulation period. So there's going to be a lot of negative sentiment still in the market, a lot of fear still in the market before we get that moment where people start believing again. And that's when we get our big markup phase happening. And that takes us anywhere between 150 to 180K potentially for the price of Bitcoin, in my humble opinion, of course. Before, of course, the bear market comes in in 2025, we hit our top. Nobody wants to sell and everything goes down by 75 to 99% again. Yes. Yes. Those will be fun times, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. I'm looking forward to that bear market. Holy cow. But there will, of course, be a lot of money to be made in between now and then. I want to share this chart here with you as well. Alex Kruger actually posted this. This is Bitcoin's realized volatility. Now, this has not been this low since July of 2020. Now, what's interesting on this chart here, he's highlighted nine different points where we've seen the realized volatility for Bitcoin being this low. Now, what's fascinating is that out of every one of these times, except one, except one, and that time was in November 2018, just before the price of Bitcoin went from $6,000 down to $3,000 as the volatility dried up, the massive descending triangle finally broke to the downside, and the Bitcoin cash, Bitcoin SV, hash rate Johnson measuring competition happened. Those are fun times. If you were around then, let me know down in the comment section if you were around for that kind of fun insanity in the market where you wake up one day and you feel like you want to puke because everything's down 50%. Those were good times. That was the only time that the realized volatility being this low led to the downside. I think that's important to point out because out of all the other examples, and that's only back to 2015, but out of all the other examples on this realized volatility indicator, they've always led to the upside afterwards. Now, sometimes those are just short-term rallies. Sometimes those are the new rallies that start new major market cycles. 
Now, the last time we had the volatility this low, January 2nd, 2023. Do you remember what happened back then? I do. I was here. You were here, probably. If you're, if you're new around here and you weren't here back in January, welcome to the party, man. We're happy to have you guys here. Not many new tourists in town these days, so happy to see new investors showing up to the Bitcoin party, to the crypto party more broadly. So if you are new, definitely welcome, of course, to the markets. But for everybody who is from the class of 21, this is a very interesting time to be, be in the markets. If you're from the class of 2017, 2018, oh boy. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. You guys know what's up. So back in January 2nd, 23, we had that super low realized volatility. And of course, that led to massive upside for Bitcoin. The price of Bitcoin rallied significantly since then. And in fact, eight out of nine times when we had realized volatility this low for the last eight or nine years, it has meant upside for Bitcoin. Now, maybe this is that one time when we have downside. We cannot predict the future but it's certainly interesting to note how that has played out over time. Uh, Ecoin metrics pointing out the year-to-date performance for major assets. Bitcoin, of course, still doing very, very well. This is against a lot of major assets. There's Apple on here, which is up 51% year-to-date. Bitcoin, 77%. Ethereum, 55%. Gold, 7%. NASDAQ, 43%. SP 519%. Of course, they did not put meta on here because we've been holding facebook stocks this year yo yo facebook stocks up almost 300 percent since the lows in november up like 200 percent this year tech stocks have been going pretty insane of course nvidia holders are feeling the new paradigm of money moments with that stock absolutely rallying like crazy too but out of major assets bitcoin has compared very well compared to the indexes, even better off holding Bitcoin versus holding the S&P 500, for example, this year. You have outperformed it actually dramatically. Your S&P 500 gave you 19% returns. Bitcoin gave you 77% returns. So that is the reality that a lot of investors are looking at when they're looking at the Bitcoin investment thesis, when they're looking at BlackRock and all these other companies coming into Bitcoin. Yeah, there's... There's a chart of Facebook. It's a beautiful chart. Beautiful chart, Facebook. I didn't have any, but it's a beautiful chart, Facebook. Don't know. I have uh, mixed feelings about buying Facebook stocks. Anyway, if you are a trader, before we get into the next big charts, if you're a trader, then you got it yourself an account over on Bybit. It is the best place for trading crypto. Whether you want to do futures, whether you want to do spot altcoin markets, whether you want to do copy trading, they got it all. And of course, if you use the link down below in the description to start your trading account, you're going to have $30,000 in trading and deposit bonuses. So if you are a trader, then go ahead and check it out. Now let's talk about the big news. This is pretty crazy because I want to talk about a, a little bit of Ethereum news and then the rest of it's all Bitcoin news, but this Ethereum news is pretty nuts. Since Friday, since Friday, we have had six different companies, Grayscale, Bitwise, others, Valkyrie, apply for an Ethereum futures ETF. Hmm. I feel like somebody knows something that we don't. So many companies all filing for Bitcoin or sorry, Ethereum futures ETFs at the same time. That's suspicious. Now, to be clear, these are futures ETFs. There's nothing to get excited about here. If we're being honest about it, futures ETFs can, you know, go suck a fat one basically because Nothing there. 
what we want is spot ETFs for Ethereum, for Bitcoin, for all digital assets. I mean, all digital assets, but it's definitely some of the top digital assets. We need to have a, a Cardano ETF, spot ETF, right? Stuff like this. These futures ETFs are nothing but a way for the manipulation of markets. There's nothing good about them. They're paper garbage. They're not backed by real Ethereum. They're just backed by pieces of paper and, and dirty fiat dollars. But it's still interesting to see so many of these ETF applications coming at once. So again, I feel like somebody knows something is up. Maybe we'll see these getting approved. And maybe it's a way for the SEC to say, see, look, we're being reasonable. We're approving ETFs for different products. But they're not being reasonable because the products that they're approving are not good products. People want spot access to these assets. Why a spot Bitcoin ETF is so big. And of course, once we get our spot Bitcoin ETF, maybe it's going to take a new administration to do that. But once we get our new spot Bitcoin ETF, Ethereum ETFs will be following hot on the heels. Hear me now. Quote me later. I bet within six months of a Bitcoin ETF approval, we're going to see a uh, an Ethereum ETF be approved. Next big news here for you, and this is a doozy because we've seen so many big stories like this. So the $500 billion Japanese banking giant Nomura has win, won a license to offer Bitcoin and cryptocurrency services in the United Arab Emirates. Pretty interesting stuff. Big banks, big crypto exchanges, big companies, all, of course, going to where there's regulatory clarity and regulatory approval. And of course, once the UK passes their bill. We're going to see a lot of companies incorporate there as well. They're going to have access to multiple places. But the U.S., again, totally fumbling ball. In fact, did you hear the story the other day? Because this is ridiculous. If you haven't heard this, this is just so dumb. Before the SEC sued Coinbase, apparently they told Coinbase, well, if you just delist everything that's not Bitcoin, then you'll be okay. Which, of course, Coinbase said no. No, thank you. We're going to continue to operate our business as you approved it when you gave us the regulatory approval to launch our public stocks. SEC, man, I tell you, those guys, those guys. But the regulatory scene, while stagnating in the USA, people in other countries are just enjoying themselves, not worrying about this kind of crap. Also, a lot of big investments this week. $23 billion investment manager IDG Capital increased its share in Bitcoin miner BitDeer by uh, 91,000 shares. So it's about a million dollar total investment. It's not that crazy, but it does show you that investments in Bitcoin miners are continuing. People are looking at this and they're looking for regulated ways to get access. That's why Coinbase stocks have been popular. That's why Bitcoin mining stocks have been popular. That's why MicroStrategy stocks have been popular because people want proxy access to this asset class until, of course, we get a real Bitcoin ETF, which is what the market wants and the SEC refuses to give to people. They're not here to protect you. They're here to protect the status quo. They're not here to help you. They're here to help the bankers. We know this. Simply Bitcoin pointing out that Tether has acquired $176 million in Bitcoin since March 31st. Now, if you remember the story about Tether buying Bitcoin, basically they're making so much money off of all their U.S. Treasury bills and all their other ways that they're putting our USDT cash to work. So remember, when they issue out USDT, 
they have a bunch of dollars put into their bank account. They take that and they buy money market funds. They buy treasury bills, all this stuff. And because the rates are so high right now, they've just been rolling around like fat little Bitcoin piggies in just a mountain of cash. And they're just throwing it all over the place. They're buying gold. Interestingly, they're also buying lots of Bitcoin. So they've added another $176 million of Bitcoin to their balance sheet. Tether, man. Tether. Ah, crazy stuff. And of course, old mate, old mate, Michael Saylor, he bought more Bitcoin. He can't help himself. He is an addict. Michael Saylor has a crippling addiction to stacking sats. Of course, he doesn't stack sats. He stacks Bitcoin dozens, hundreds, thousands at a time. His conviction in Bitcoin is unbelievable. It's unbelievable the amount of Bitcoin that MicroStrategy has stacked. And I know what you're going to say. Oh, it's only 467 Bitcoin. That's not that much. Well, they have like 152,000 Bitcoin right now or something like that. Plus this. They just issued this. I mean, this is crazy. Check this out. This is crazy. MicroStrategy is looking to raise a little bit of money. Just a little bit. A little bit, $750 million. That's a lot of money. Of course, that's to fund different corporate purposes and stuff like that, but it's mostly to buy Bitcoin. They're doing it again. They're, do they're doing it again, man. They're buying Bitcoin. MicroStrategy, once again, is buying Bitcoin, and I love it. Now, I don't know how much of that 750 million is exactly going to go to buying Bitcoin, but I'd imagine a decent amount of it, the way Michael Saylor has been instructing MicroStrategy to stack up all the Bitcoin they possibly can. My guess would be that we could see another half a billion dollar buy, which is a significant amount. That's a lot of coins. That's a lot of coins. And remember, MicroStrategy already has 152,000 coins. And they just keep buying more. And I know it seems crazy right now. And right now, Bitcoin's basically at MicroStrategy's break-even price. So they're neutral on their $3 billion of Bitcoin or whatever their current stack is worth. But let's fast forward. What's this going to be like when Bitcoin is worth $100,000 a coin? They're going to look pretty damn smart then, won't they? What's it going to be like when Bitcoin is worth three or four or $500,000 a coin. And I believe we're going to go to those levels. What about a million dollars a coin? You might think all oh, million dollars a coin, Lark. Come on, that's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. $10,000 used to sound pretty ridiculous too. $69,000 used to sound pretty ridiculous too. But here we are. Here we are. $30,000 Bitcoin. Five, seven, eight years ago. Nobody would have thought we'd get this high. So to see uh, the prices moving up that high, it's going to be the corporate play of the century. Books will be written about Michael Saylor's giant, giant balls. Okay. Also, we're talking about these institutional players getting into crypto. This is from uh, Michaela. She's the business development manager over at Binance. Um, so she wrote, uh, put up this chart here, which is from Fidelity and Binance Research. Basically, the institutional surge in crypto is no longer a trend. It's a paradigm shift a paradigm shift. So a recent study by Fidelity and Binance shows that 81% of surveyed institutional investors are adding digital assets as part of their strategy. Europe, 
Asia leading the way. Unsurprisingly, U.S. institutional players a little bit more hesitant considering what the SEC has been doing. That's crazy. When you see what's going on, when you see the numbers, when you see the actual conviction of companies that are testing things out, they're trying NFTs, they're bringing in blockchain for supply chain, they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're looking at blockchain for payments. Big potential here. Institutions see it. Institutions are also waking up to the fact that, hey, I better get some Bitcoin before it's too late. MicroStrategy's taking it all. Come on, sailor, save some for the rest of us. Nope, he's going to get it all. Sailor can have all the Bitcoins. Well, he get as many as he can. But that's the great part about Bitcoin. We all have an equal opportunity to stack. Michael Saylor's got as much right to stack as much as he wants. And so do you. And so do as any other corporation coming in. And hey, you better get yours before BlackRock does. <clears throat> now, let's change pace a little bit. I want to talk about why so many people lose all their money in crypto. And it's a tough conversation. Here we are, bear market, we hope, of course, is over. We are starting to see the first signs of spring in the crypto markets. Still a lot of disbelief, still a lot of negativity, still a lot of pain. But here we are, people are missing out in a big way. And it's actually not what you think it is because a lot of people think they're missing out and they FOMO into stuff when they're not actually missing out. What they're missing out on is the big picture. They're looking at the little picture and they're missing out on the big picture, which is creating generational wealth for yourself, your family, your grandchildren. If you don't screw it up, if you can wait 18 months to two years to sell everything, you don't have to overcomplicate stuff. And I'm not saying you can't play around. Don't get me wrong. Take a little bit of your money, 5%, 10%, whatever your portfolio, not financial advice, obviously never is just my thoughts on stuff, but you can play around a little bit. Put some money in DeFi. Put some of your money into higher risk stuff, but the amount of money people put into stuff and the amount of money people lose, I mean, goodness gracious. Now, we were talking about the bald coin the other day, the new meme coin that was launched on the uh, Coinbase base Ethereum layer two network. As I was saying at the time, don't go chasing. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Come on, guys. TLC references all day up in here. It's like a tick. Anyway. Here's a crazy story. So Bald, the new meme coin, ended up uh, kind of being a rug pull. Surprise, surprise, right? Unfortunately, people did FOMO in and had scary losses. Here's one guy who spent a thousand Ethereum, a thousand Ethereum. Oh my gosh. Spent a thousand Ethereum buying Bald, this meme coin. And the devs rug pulled. And his $3 million went to $2,000 in just a day. This is why we don't go chasing after the newest FOMO coin. Or goodness gracious, if you do, don't put 1,000 Ethereum in, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? The lure of overnight riches is actually one of the most dangerous things to investors in the, in the cryptocurrency space. One of the things that messes people up the most. And... It's interesting what has come out of this, this whole uh, bald coin rug pull. So it went up to $100 million market cap, back down to basically zero. Within 72 hours, people went from being rich to broke again. 
In fact, if you bought bald coin and you went away for the weekend and you came back, you'd say, well, I was a millionaire and now I'm not. <laughs> That's how quick it moves in crypto. What's interesting here, though, is the connections of the person who launched the bald meme coin on the Coinbase chain to FTX. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. FTX. They're back. Sam, Sam, the bank man trying to free more people from their money. Come on, Sam. Cut it out, dude. Now, look, it's hard to say if. Sam actually had any involvement because he's like on house arrest and he has limited access to technology on that house arrest. But it doesn't mean that one of the other FTX executives couldn't have had something to do with them. Why are we talking about FTX in, in uh, relation to the bald coin? Well, because there's some pretty interesting connections. Thousands of Ethereum uh, basically flowed from FTX-controlled wallets over to the Bald Deployer wallet. Bald Deployer was the first voter on all Sushi protocols back in the day. Bald Deployer tweets have the same center structure as, SB as SBF. Uh, Bald Deployer is also the biggest DYDX farmer. Bald Deployer posts sound like SBF. Uh, there's a lot of connections of that Bald wallet to FTX. Now look, look, who knows for certain, right? Maybe we'll find out some of this stuff in the wash eventually. But certainly, it looks like there's some some dirty business going on here. Once again, surprise, surprise, FTX comes up and, uh, you know, more fraud, more BS, more carnage in the crypto space. Whether that's 100% true or not, doesn't even matter at this point. But the reality is crypto is just crazy, man. And a lot of people are just going to get chopped up. And it, and it breaks my heart because, you know, even if you try hard, in crypto, you can just lose it all. And here's an interesting one as well. So the bald rug pull is one thing. And then there's the curve finance hack. Now I'm a curve finance holder. I like curve finance. I think it's a very important part of the DeFi landscape. But, but you see the founder of curve finance, he took out a hundred million dollar loan using the curve tokens as uh, collateral for that loan, which that's fine. I don't have any problems with that. If a dude wants to take a loan, buy a house, like more power to him. Who cares? That's fine. I know there's people out there that look at anybody who starts any protocol and, you know, it's like, okay, you're a DeFi founder. Well, if you hold your tokens, you're a scammer. If you sell your tokens, if you're a scammer, if you stake your tokens, you're a scammer. If you don't stake your tokens, you're a scammer. There's always people who are going to criticize you no matter what. I don't think that he did anything wrong. He created a very important DeFi protocol. He deserves to get paid. The problem is that loan that he took has a liquidation point. And once Curve got hacked, a huge amount of Curve went into the hands of the hacker enough to potentially wreck the markets. Other people caught whiff. It's like sharks start going. They smell the blood in the water and they start looking for the next victim. The shorters come out and they were trying very hard with the last 24 hours to try to wreck this position, to ruin Michael's life, essentially destroy his position, force him to sell his home, all that kind of stuff. You know, normal stuff that people do in markets. Yeah. Anyway, as of now, the situation has been avoided. But the last thing you'd want to happen would be for this to happen because it could cause a pretty bloody event in the market with a lot of liquidity being sucked up and drained out 
and a lot of pain happening because if he gets liquidated on that loan curve goes like way down liquidity flees uh, more people get liquidated on more stuff in more places and you start having a contagion event where things start breaking the one thing i think that michael probably shouldn't have done the founder of curve would be to risk so damn much of the curve supply on a collateralized loan in DeFi because you can never predict markets. You can never predict the, the kind of crap that'll happen. Like, for example, your protocol getting hacked. Yeah. Now, to be clear, if you're using Curve Finance, it's only affected some of the older pools. New pools do not have this problem. Still, though, a bit of caution. If you are in Curve or think about putting money in Curve, just hey, wait for all the stuff to blow over before you do any of that. It's such a tough one because... DeFi is so great. The flip side is there's so much risk. Hacks happen all the time. And if you take insurance out, you can use Nexus Mutual to take smart contract insurance out. People who had smart contract insurance for Curve Finance can get paid out. I think there were $6.6 .6 million or something like that of, um, of people who had taken insurance. So those people will probably get paid out in this situation. All they have to do is apply. So if that's you, make sure to, of course, claim your uh, insurance claim. But it's so tough trying to make money in DeFi because not only is there impermanent loss, not only are the tax implications, uh, not only do APYs dry up like super quickly, then hacks happen, you lose all your money. And let's say, okay, you take the insurance. Well, then your money that you're earning is like cut in half. And then, okay, so your six or seven or 8% yield on staking your Ethereum on some platform, now it's down to 4% or 5%. And then the tax man wants to take half of that. And, you know, is it even worth it? Is it even worth it sometimes? I don't know. It's tough. A lot of people are just going to get chopped up. And this is a story that hit me pretty hard too, you know, being a father and, and just thinking about screwing it all up. Something that keeps me awake sometimes at night, even though I feel like I've done pretty well in the markets, you still got to think about it. You still have to think like, am I doing the right things that are going to make sure that I'm securing the financial destiny of my children? This guy on CoinFession said, I took out $80,000 of my daughter's college fund to Long Solana at $220. Hurts me every time I look at her. I thought I could make it into 300K and move her family out from Chicago. She still thinks I have the money and that I can send her to the same college as her friends. Now, look, I never know if these CoinFession stories are true, but that sounds like a true story. And again, it illustrates exactly what I'm talking about here and why people get chopped up in these damn markets. Dude went long at the top and got got crushed, got crushed in that position. I mean, goodness gracious, never take out money that you cannot afford to lose. The golden rule of crypto, man. And yet so many people always break that golden rule. People think that they're going to be the exception. You're usually not. You're usually the rule. You have to inform yourself in these markets and not get chopped up like this. Don't get chopped up chasing meme coins. Don't get chopped up you know, taking too big a risks in DeFi. I'm not saying don't use DeFi. I use DeFi. Just manage your risks here a little bit, guys. And of course, never invest money you can't afford to lose. Never put so much on the line, especially without thinking. I mean, long in Solana 220 with your daughter's college fund. Dude. Dude. Crazy stuff. 
Now, I want to dive into this topic a little bit more with you. But before we do that, I just want to let you know, if you're not yet signed up for the Wealth Mastery Newsletter, you're straight up missing out, dude. This is the newsletter, the best newsletter in crypto. And we try super hard to provide you with truckloads of value in every single issue. It comes three times a week to your inbox. We're talking altcoins. We're talking DeFi. We're talking the latest news. We're talking airdrops. Some of the airdrops we've shared are made thousands of dollars. All you have to do is click sign up and sign up for free. You can join our 75,000 weekly readers and get it checked out. There is a link in the description where you can check that out. So stop missing out. It's the best newsletter in crypto, and it's going to get you the alpha that you need to stay on top of what's going on in this market. It moves fast. We try to keep you up to date with all of the latest. I like this meme. This is the meme of all the people lining up at $69,000 to buy Bitcoin. And now that we're down at $30,000, nobody wants to buy Bitcoin. Now, it's not technically true because we have seen, of course, a big increase of total wallet addresses and stuff like that. But, but the reality of this meme does hit true, even though we've seen micro strategy buying and we've seen small retail wallets buying, et cetera, et cetera. The truth of the matter is most people are not here. Now we've got a good contingent of people who are still here. I mean, a lot of people listen to this conversation right now. That's fantastic. People are here. People are interested. People want to know what's going on in crypto right now. Smart investors, savvy investors are dialed in right now because they know the opportunities are here. And if you don't get chopped up, you know the opportunities are here. But most people, they will wait until the new highs are in. They're not going to buy Bitcoin until Bitcoin costs $120,000, $150,000, and the media is telling us the new paradigm of money. And at that point, you either start taking some damn profits, you listening right now, you either stay taking some damn profits or you hold everything down for another 90, 95% loss in the next bear market. It's just that simple sometimes. It really, really is. And I want to hit this point home too, because look, if you do this right, and I hope that you do, I really do. I, every single one of you, you listening to this, I want you to make it. I want you to live that life that you dream of living. I want you to have the financial freedom that you dream of having. I want you to be able to provide for your family in the way you want to be able to provide for your family. I want you to make it. I really, really do. And in my honest opinion, I believe that the people who are here and dialed in now have the best chance of making it in the next market cycle, in this coming market cycle late 2024, early 2025, the people who have been accumulating now should be selling then, not financial advice, of course. But here's a thought for you. When you make millions of dollars in the next board, and I hope you make millions of dollars, make millions of dollars, do it. Do not let anyone demean your achievement by saying, oh, you just got lucky. Please, getting lucky People who say that have no idea what the heck they're talking about. If you have survived 2022, if you have survived the Luna crash, the lender crash, Celsius and Voyage and all the rest of it, the FTX collapse, the wallet hacks, there are wallet hacks, the DeFi hacks, DeFi hacks out the wazoo up in here, man. The rug pulls. Oh, so many rug pulls. Goodness gracious. How many rug pulls? Uh, 10 rug pulls a day. It's crazy. The bridge hacks, the bridge hacks and the biggest hacks in the history of crypto and bridge hacks. The altcoin failure rate. Look at how many altcoins have failed. 90% of altcoins have failed. 20,000 coins listed on coin market cap. 19,000 of them are absolute garbage. They're never going to do anything ever again. Aren't going to go to zero. 
the depression, of course, that comes from watching your portfolio value go down, watching all of the pain, uh, experiencing these collapses and the hacks and the, 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 the drama, your wrecked portfolio, the FUD, the constant FUD waking up to the market and going, what new pain awaits me today in this bear market? You don't let them say that you were lucky. You earned it. Gosh darn it, you earned it. You earned it. Remember that. This shit ain't easy. At least not right now. We're on hard mode in the market right now. Easy times are going to come back. Late 2024, it's going to be like, this is so breezy and cool and easy. We're all making money. 2023 ain't like that. No, 2023 is hard. And there's still ways to make money. We talk about that all the time on here. There's new narratives to chase. There's new ways to position yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But, but it's tough. You've got a lot of things working against you. Yourself, the protocols, the whales. So if you make it, you earned it. You earned it. Never forget that. Now, I want to talk with you about a little something called superconductors. This is something pretty interesting, and this is not a crypto-related topic, although, although I would like to say that superconductors, I think the potential for this in Bitcoin mining, game changer, game changer, but it goes way, way beyond that. So now I, I would like to point out here first that we have uh, room temperature superconductors. Uh, it's a claim that's sparking a lot of excitement. Also a bit of skepticism. I don't want to, until we see a little more proof, maybe we need to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. I don't want to rush uh, to make any proclamations about the new paradigm of energy here, but it could be a very, very big thing to see happening. So why are superconductors so super? Well, an electric current flows through an ordinary conductor like a copper wire. The electrons bump into atoms as they jostle along. As a result, the electrons lose some energy and the wire heats up. In a superconductor, electrons move without any resistance. Superconducting wires can transmit electricity without, without, without losing energy. Massive. And superconducting magnets are powerful enough to levitate trains. Hmm, maglev trains, baby, they're coming. I know we already have maglev trains, but super maglev trains, yes. And they contain the fierce plasmas in fusion reactors. This is very, very exciting technology. Super exciting technology. Game-changing technology, if it proves true, replicatable at scale. And yeah, wow. Alex Kaplan points out today might have seen the biggest physics discovery of my lifetime. I don't think people fully grasp the implications of an ambient temperature pressure superconductor. Here's how it could totally change our lives. $100 billion kilowatt of electricity are wasted on transmission losses each year in the U.S. alone. This is one of the huge problems. You know, people are talking about, oh, how are we going to scale up to meet EV demand? And actually, Elon Musk says we could actually require three times as much energy by 2045, that's his current estimate. Where's it all going to come from? Well, we're going solar panels alone are not going to do it, right? We're going to need more energy, a lot more energy. And it doesn't help if we're producing all that extra energy, but then we're losing so much of it along the way. As uh, Alex points out, that's the equivalent of three of our largest nuclear reactors running 24-7. That's he's talking about the USA, of course. Superconductivity enables lossless electricity transmission at high voltages and currents. 
According to the authors, the LK99 material, that's what's called LK99, prepared in about 34 hours of extremely basic equipment that results can be replicated within days. Nuclear fusion reactors rely on superconductors for plasma confinement. Quantum computers use superconductors to preserve uh, coherence in qubits. Superconductors could just be the best batteries out there. Simply inject a curtain, and keep it in the coil until you need it. Your iPhone won't overheat when playing Subway Surfer with a YouTube video in the corner anymore. Mm -hmm. We've all been there before, I guess. Super cheap MRI machines, maglevs, et cetera, et cetera. A super efficient electricity grid. That is pretty gosh darn cool. It's a very exciting time, and apparently it is being replicated already. So early claims, this is the first claimed success replication of LK99. Again, very new story, very new technology. We need to, you know, temper our excitement a little bit on this until we really get some real verification. This is like the real deal, but still pretty exciting stuff. So first claimed successful replication of LK99 accomplished by a team at the Huazhong University of Science and Technology posted 30 minutes ago. Very, very, very interesting. If this proves to be, well, what we think it could be, the implications are insane. So apparently you need phosphorus, lead, and copper to make this interesting. Interesting. That potentially brings up a bullish thesis for, uh, well, investing in lead and copper, uh, lead and copper miners, lead and copper ETFs, potentially, phosphorus as well. And of course, any superconductor or semiconductor companies are probably going to transition to being superconductor companies real quick if all this technology proves out. Of course, it's not going to happen overnight. People always get really, really excited about stuff. Doesn't happen overnight. AI is a new paradigm money in February. And then people realize, well, the AI is pretty damn cool, but it doesn't actually completely revolutionize everything overnight. It takes time. Now, if the superconductor technology is as real as it's currently being claimed to be, then we are talking by the end of the decade, it could be pretty ubiquitous. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next month. Probably not even next year but it could be coming in a very, very big way because it could change so much so quickly about the way our technological civilization transmit energy from point A to point B. It is super, super crazy to think about the implications of this technology. So of course, energy transmission is big. I, I love magnetic trains. I, I rode a maglev train in Shanghai, China. This is a long time ago. That must, must have been... Oh, almost 20 years ago. No, 15 years ago, 15 years ago. I'm in my early 20s. Anyway, that was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But that could be coming in a much bigger way. Of course, medical technology, scientific research, uh, power storage, all this stuff. But the power transmission could be one of the biggest things. Very, very big potential for this new technology to really, really disrupt things. And it's such an exciting time to be alive for well, humanity in general, but also to be an investor in this current space. I mean, I know, I know we're all about crypto, but there's a lot of other exciting stuff going on too. The EV revolution, the AI revolution, energy revolution with this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I am far from being a superconductor expert here, guys, by any means, but it's very exciting. The potential of this kind of technology is very, very exciting. And of course, how is that going to affect the investing space. Of course, those superconductor companies will probably go absolutely crazy. Semiconductor companies that transition to being superconductor companies will go absolutely crazy. This could be a major societal transformational shift in terms of how we do energy. 
If, of course, it is as they say it is. 